Father, we praise you that, that our hope is in you, that in you we can rejoice. You are our hope. You are our salvation. And it is in you that we put our trust. Remind us this morning of that, Lord, and, and I pray that as we leave here, Lord, we would have met you and that you would be honored and glorified through everything. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This morning I hold in front of you a piece of currency from the United States of America. And on the back of this piece of currency it says, In God we trust. And I'm glad that it says, In God we trust. I'm glad that in 1861, a pastor soon after the Civil War had begun wrote a letter to the treasurer of the secretary requesting that America puts this phrase, in God we trust, on all of our currency so that we will be reminded of where our hope is and we will be reminded of the one thing that could pull our country together and that is our trust in God. So I'm glad that it says that. But I wonder... Do we, do we really believe that? And that's why we're doing this series called The Practical Atheist. And you remember, a practical atheist is someone who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. And I fear that this phrase that is on the back of our currency is just a phrase. Something that we don't really believe in. You know, we believe in God, but we don't really fear Him. We believe in God, but we don't feel forgiven. We believe in God, but we don't want to go overboard. We'd rather be lukewarm and pretend like we trust and believe in Him. And this morning, talking about believing in God, but trusting in things. And oftentimes, this thing is what we trust in. You know, I'd like for you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter, one, chapter 3. And I read this the first week of, of, this, of this series. 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will become lovers of themselves Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful and unholy. Then you go on down to verse 5, it says, They will have a form of godliness, but denying its power. And when we believe in God, but live as if He doesn't exist, that's what we're doing. We have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. We trust, we trust in things. We claim a belief in Him, but, but we trust and we serve and we worship things and money. You know, Jesus told us in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, He says, Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if my heart is here, if this is what I treasure, then this is where my heart is. It doesn't matter what I say. It's all about how I act and how I live my life. 
And if my trust is in this, this green thing that says on the back in God we trust, then I am a practical atheist who, who believes in God but trusts in things. Now, how do we trust money? What do we, what, how do we, how do these things provide for us? How do, how do I put my money in trust, you may ask? Well, I put my money in trust because I believe it provides for my happiness. Now, most of you sitting here today would say that, that money doesn't provide my happiness. You know, I don't trust in money for my happiness. But let me ask you this question. How many of you would say that just a little bit more would surely help out a lot? And if we say that, and we say that our, our, our happiness isn't in money and things, but we think, you know, if I just had a little bit more, then I could buy that thing that would really make me happy. You know, I could go to Derek's store and buy that 60-inch flat screen that would just make me a little bit happier for a couple of days. We don't want to admit it, but the way that we live our lives says that it's true. And it's, it's one of the biggest reasons that we see all of the, the personal financial debt disaster that we see in our country. It's because people want things, they think things will make them happy, and therefore they will go and buy things and be willing to go into debt in order to do it. Because we believe that we have the right to it. We believe that God wants us to be happy. And as a practical atheist, I begin to pursue happiness because that's ultimately what I believe God wants for me. And when I begin to believe that God wants to make me happy above anything else, more than anything else, then I will begin to believe that God exists to serve me. And we see that living out in our world today. You know, we see preachers preaching this, that if you give enough money, then God will bless you with even more money. If I do enough good things, then God will bless me with more things. Because he wants to make you happy. And then God becomes just like a vending machine to us. If I put enough money into it, if I, if I have this perfect prayer formula... Then I can push a button and happiness will come out of the machine in whatever form that I want. It may be a house. It may be a new car or a new motorcycle or a vacation that I've always wanted. And the world tells us that this is what life is all about. It's about happiness. And you know, I don't know about you, but there's this commercial on TV that just drives me crazy. You know, I want this furniture... And I want it now. And if we had sound to it, say, Only I want it all. Gives you and all. I want it now. now. And when you look at the picture, even the dog is happy because he's got everything and he can have it right now. That's the way we live. God is just a vending machine that's there to make us happy. And pursuing happiness seems like the right thing to do because it makes us feel good. And yet in Psalm 119, it tells us, 
turn, to turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Turn your hearts toward his statutes. Put away selfish gain and turn your eyes away from worthless things, not, not to things that just make me happy. See, the problem is what seems right to us isn't always what's right. The proverb, proverb 14 says, There is a way that seems right unto man, but in the end it leads to death. And if you are pursuing happiness, and that is the focus of your life, and that's what's consuming you, there is a way that seems right unto man. But in the end, this happiness that you're searching for, the Bible says, leads to death. What are you pursuing? You know, is God just a vending machine for you? You know, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I'd like for you to turn there with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And you know, for those of you seniors that are graduating and moving on and going to college and going into the workplace, if your only goal in life is to pursue um, happiness and, and riches and, 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 and things for yourself, you're going to be greatly disappointed with life. Because that's not what life is all about. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse Verse 5, it says their minds are corrupt and they're tr they've turned their backs on truth. Now, this is out of the New Living Translation. To them, um, that they've turned their backs to, on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just the way to become wealthy. Did you hear that? To show godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet... True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with, with us and when we, when, when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Does anybody realize that when you leave this place, when you, uh, when you die and, and you leave this earth, nothing's going with you? And yet we live as if we're going to take it all with us and do something with it when we get there. It goes on and says, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. How many of you have enough food to eat? Most of us look like we're fairly healthy. You know, we have food to eat. All of you have clothes on. That's a good thing. So you've got food to eat. You've got clothes to wear. You've got a place to live. The Bible says, be content with that. Because these other things aren't going to make you happy. In verse, it goes on, it says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Boy, is that clear or what? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth, from true faith, and pierced themselves with many sorrows. The pursuit of this, the Bible says, causes many sorrows. Now, is there anything wrong with being wealthy and being successful? Absolutely not. 
But it's when this thing starts to consume me, and I believe that, that, that things will provide me happiness, then is when it becomes sin. We believe in God, but our actions say we trust in this thing we call happiness. You know, the second way we trust in money, and this is the one that I really struggle with. I believe in God, but I trust in money to provide security. You know, we've become consumed with protecting ourselves. You know, we have to make sure that, that we're insured. We have homeowners and health insurance and car insurance and identity theft insurance and, and earthquake insurance and flood insurance and, and, and car insurance and senior care and pet insurance. We have all these insurances to protect ourselves. And then we want to make sure that our 401k, that our retirement is, is at such a place where we can live happily ever after so we don't have to depend on God. We plan so well that we don't need to, to depend on God because our security is in things in this and not in God. Now, I'm not saying that, that we should not plan well. I believe as a, as, a, as a Christian, I am called to be a good steward of what God has given me. And so, so I'm grateful that, that we have these things in place that, that we can be wise about the way we plan. I'm not talking about just, just living on a whim and going out and, and, and not planning ahead. But what I'm saying is when we get consumed with it is when it becomes wrong. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. You know, we saw this back in when, when the markets crashed a couple years ago. There were people that thought it was the end of the world, that life, was, well, life as they knew it was gone. We were depressed. How are we ever going to make it? But in the midst of these, of these uh, crashes of the markets and, and, and the dollar being down, you know, God has not changed. He, his promises still remain. Jesus is still my Savior. I am still a child of the King. Nothing can take that away from me, even the crashing of our stock market. When my, when my security isn't in stuff, when my security is in Jesus Christ, then that can never be taken away from me. Luke chapter 12, there was a guy that decided he was going to plan ahead and he was going to make sure that he had enough stuff to, to last him for the rest of his life. Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells this parable of a rich farmer. Verse 15, Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no more place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy life because, you know, he's, he had his retirement all set. He was ready to go. Nothing was going to stop him. Life was going to be good. He was going to hang out by the the ocean and, and just relax and, and life was good because he was in control. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, 
But God said to the man, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Scott believed that this was his security. That this was what this was his ticket to an enjoyable rest of the life, rest of his of his life. And yet Jesus called him a fool. Because his security was in something other than his heavenly father, the one who provided and gave him all these things. Again, God isn't against us having and making money and, and, and being successful. But when my number one goal in life is to grow my portfolio and to, to be set for life, then it becomes a problem. You see, the number one competitor for my heart is this thing called money. And Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 16, he says, no servant can serve two masters. You know, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says you cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both. You either serve him or you serve this. You know, Jesus encountered two rich, wealthy men. Uh, he, he encountered a lot of men, but there's two of them specifically that I'd like to show you. One was, was a very wealthy um, rich young ruler. He was a very religious man. And, and um, he came to Jesus one day wondering what he needed to do to be saved. Wondering what he needed to do to have eternal life. And this is what Jesus said to him in Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. He says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. It says, when the young man heard this, it says he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, why did Jesus say this to this particular young man? Why did he ask this young man to, to sell everything he had, to give up all of his possessions and all of his, his things and come and follow him? He didn't say that to everybody because he knew that for this young man, this was what he lived for. This was, this was where his security was. This was where his happiness was. And he knew that, that this young man could not serve both. And so he asked him to give up everything. He forced him to make a choice, one or the other, because you can't have both. So why was he sad? He was sad because of all that he had. And that money was the most important thing in his life. It was more important to him than God, and he chose what was most important to him. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This young, rich young ruler followed his heart. He followed his heart. You see, his money provided his happiness and his security. Now, you may say, you know, I, am, I will never do that. I will never be like that. I will never be like that rich young ruler. 
I will never make money the most important thing in my life. But what do you think about all day long? What do you think about when you get up? And do you think about, you know, how can I make a difference in the world today? How can I be more generous? How can I be more of a kingdom player? How can I impact my world? Or are you thinking things like, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to make my next dollar? How am I going, how am I going to become, how am I going to be able to buy that thing that's going to make me happy? What consumes your thoughts? Because what consumes your thoughts is where your heart is. And like the rich young ruler, his heart was in his possessions. There's another guy that Jesus encountered. This guy was a despicable IRS agent. He was a tax collector. His name was Zacchaeus. Remember we sang about Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. But he was a wee little man with a lot of cash. And he was crook. He was crooked. You know, he, he was a tax collector at that time. They basically, they had a right to steal. They legally could steal from people. If you owed $50 in taxes, he could tell you you owed 70 You had to pay it. He kept the 20 and sent the rest to the government. That's what he was able to do. So everybody hated Zacchaeus. And that's why Zacchaeus had to climb up into a tree because nobody was going to let Zacchaeus through to, to, see, to get a glimpse of Jesus. So he had to climb up in a tree. And when Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, everything changed. You know, in, in Luke chapter 19, so Zacchaeus is up in a tree and Jesus is walking along and, and it says when Jesus came to the spot, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must come to your house today. It says, so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people, they saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to the house of a sinner. And yet, when, when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus committed his life to Jesus Christ. He gave everything he had, and as a result, Zacchaeus was changed. And not only did it change his heart, but it changed his wallet. And here's what it says. Zacchaeus stood up before the Lord, and he said, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone or anybody, I will pay him back four times the amount. And Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and he said, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now, did salvation come because, because Zacchaeus gave half of all he had to the poor and, and, and uh, made up the wrongs that he had done? No, because salvation came to Zacchaeus' house, he gave half of all his possession. He was no longer controlled by things. Stuff no longer controlled Zacchaeus. His heart, his life was committed to Jesus Christ. Stuff didn't control him like it once did. You see, when I am far from God, my heart drifts away from him. And when I am far from God, things become much more appealing. The world becomes much shinier and exciting and, and I, I tend to pursue the things of the world and the stuff and I think the stuff is going to make me happy 
when I am far from God. You know, there's a time in my life when I was far from God and I was struggling in my, my relationship. And so I thought things would make me happy. And all things do is they make more work and they cause financial stress. But when we are close to God, when we are in right relationship with Him, things no longer are as appealing to me because He is enough. Because He is enough. Philippians 4, verse 12, Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. But I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want. So no matter what you, situation you find yourself in, whether you have plenty or whether you are in want, whether you need things when you don't know where the next house payment is coming from and you don't know how you're going to feed your children, Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. In God we trust. That is where our hope lies. That is where our happiness, that is where our security must come from. You know, if you find yourself consumed with more and bigger and better and faster, I would say to you this morning very lovingly and very respectfully that you are probably not walking close to God right now. I want you to deal with that reality. See, if you love the things of the world more than you love Jesus Christ, it's because you don't really know him. It's because you don't have a real relationship with him. And if you're far from him, the things look good. But when you draw close, when you press into God, those things lose their power. When you fall in love with Jesus Christ, you will fear God because you know who he is. And all of a sudden, things lose their grip. See, when I fall in love with Jesus Christ, there's two things that, there's a lot of things that happen. But two I'd like to point out to you this morning. Number one, I become strangely content with my situation. No matter how tough or how hard, when I am close, walking in relationship with Jesus Christ, I become strangely content with whatever my situation is. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command those to command them to do good, to be rich in deeds, and to be generous and willing to, sh to share. I become strangely content, and I become irrationally generous. Malachi 1:8 says, when you, when you bring your blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? 
when you sacrifice crippled and diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your government. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. What was happening here was, was the Jews, they were taking their, their crippled animals and, and, and their, their least desirable things to offer for sacrifices. And God says, why do you give me your trash? Why do you give me the, 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 just a little bit, the leftovers that you have? God doesn't want your leftovers. He can do without your leftovers. And we don't give to God because he needs it. We give because we need it. Because we need that reality that he owns everything. And when I give back to him, every time I give to him, it reminds me of what is his. And it reminds me that I am not controlled by things. So my, my challenge to you this morning is check your heart. You know, check your heart and do an honest evaluation of where you're at. Do you trust in things for your happiness and your security or is he all that I need? And can I be content with just him, with just Jesus Christ reigning in my life? Stand with me and let's pray. Father God, I, I first of all, I, I praise you for, for, the, for the bounty of our blessing that we in this nation have. Lord, that we don't have to worry that we'll never have, that, that our children will go hungry tonight or not have a place to sleep or not have clothes to wear. So we've been blessed about uh, abundantly and we praise you for that but lord i also we put so much of our trust in those things that we have that we forget about you and this morning lord i pray that our hearts will be turned towards you and lord that we would seek you and lord if those things that stuff is controlling us lord i just pray that right now in 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 this moment we would give that stuff to you Lord, we would be good stewards of what you've given us and not consumed by what you've given us. That our hearts would be committed to you. That you would be what we treasure. And so, Lord, just I pray that we would give it all to you. And, you know, if, if we're consumed by stuff, we would call it what it is and repent and, and move forward and, and, and allow you to guide and to direct and to lead us. But Lord, we would just give you our lives and we would give you honor and glory through everything that we do and through the way that we live our lives. You would be our security. Lord, as we leave this place today, um, I pray, Father, that we would, um, we would be content with, with, with who we are and who you are in us. And, and Lord, that we would, we would be incredibly generous with what you've given us, with the people around us, with people that have needs. And, and, and Lord, that um, people would just see Jesus in our, in, in our uh, peace um, and in our giving. 
And Lord, that our heart's desire as we walk through those doors would be to bring you honor and glory in everything that we do. I pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.